Doing it live on a Tuesday. It is the Dubcast. I am merely Bo Bishop in the Hudson area, my good friend Johnny Ginter in the Columbus <laughs> area. And um, so it, these are the dog days of summer, and that's why you get the uh, the John McEnroe, Serena Williams fun that took place today, and that'll continue throughout the week because that'll lead for healthy debate right. yeah, <laughs> and uh, yes. hot takes. And sure. so um, that's one way of putting it. And Or you'll get what you got last week where people just manufacture NBA nonsense for a week because there's nothing to talk about. Um so what, what I took, uh, what I used that as an opportunity to, and I did this when I was in Columbus a lot too, is I would use it to get into, uh, because it's one thing I'd love to do, which is get into historical conversations about Ohio State football and the best players at certain positions. And I like to rank them and get into debate about those players and those positions. And we did a lot of it at Channel 10 uh, when I was there. And we produced some shows around uh, the top 10 receiver. Everything there was based on the number 10. So it was the 10 best receivers, 10 best, all playing in with, you know, 10 TV. Um, so I thought, you know what? We're, we're, we were looking for a show to do this week on the television show. And I said, what if we do? Um, we, a lot's been made that Urban's been at Ohio State for five years. So let's do, what if we did the 11, based off 11 Warriors, the 11 best players of the Urban era? So I, I sent this out to the czar last week to uh, get his approval. He was for it. I gave him a list of, gosh almighty, I mean, there must be 25 kids here that jumped out. Right. Um, and then off of that list, I sent, and I'm sure you guys did this on, in Slack would be my guess, that you guys kind of took a look at this. I, I think that's yeah. what he was going to do. Um, and so then I, I ranked my 11, how I would have it. And then, um, and then you guys, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys kind of back and forth and everybody kind of put their 11 together and you came up with a consensus 11. Is, is all of that truthful? Yeah, we, I mean, we, we had a discussion about it, you know, which guys that we felt were, you know, best representative of the Urban Meyer era, who played the best, who was maybe the most impactful. Um, it's actually, I mean, it's an interesting conversation when you think about it, because obviously, I mean, there's some obvious answers at the top, but I think once yeah. you get a little further down, you start to realize that maybe it's a little more difficult to put that together than I think some people would think. Because I think a lot of people just go, well, I'll just put the entire roster you know, of the 2014 football team right. will be done, but that's not really, it's not quite no. that simple. No, and you could do that, and it really depends on, there, look, there's no right answer, and that's why sure. I always thought this made for fun radio and fun TV, or in this case, a fun podcast or a fun television show on Spectrum Sports, and it'll re-air through the, through the week and probably next week on the holiday week, so check your local listings for it. Um, but um, it, there is no wrong. I mean, that you... <laughs> You can't be right or wrong on this. And right. I'll tell you candidly, you're, the number one that you guys ended up coming up with was not the one that I had number one. <laughs> I totally understand why you have this guy number one. It just wasn't who, who I had number one. And so what it really comes down to is how do you define the best player of the Urban Meyer era? Yeah. And there's a million ways to define best, right? I mean, most important uh, would, would, would be something that jumps to my head. And that's how I got to the guy I got to. Mm -hmm. So what you figure out as you're putting this together is that there's a ton of guys and the, the, I'm going to give you that. These are the guys who did not make the list. Okay. Right. I'm going to give you the guys who did not make the list. Jack Muhort didn't make the list. Corey Lindsley didn't make the list. Bradley Roby didn't make the list. Devin Smith didn't crazy. make the list. Sorry. To I know that's crazy. To I know me. Like Bradley Roby. Yeah. I, don't I know. know. Joshua Perry didn't make the list. Michael yeah. Thomas didn't make the list. Von Bell didn't make the list. Jalen Marshall, Tyvis Powell didn't make the list. Darren Lee didn't make the list. Uh, Eli Apple didn't make the list. Uh, Pat Elfline, Raquan McMillan, Marshawn Lattimore, none of them made the list. None of them made the list. You could do a list off of those names, and there's probably more than 11 of them, that would make any other school's best 11, right? right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that's a ridiculous... 
The guys who didn't make the list here are are as impressive as anybody's list. That's what's been what we've been watching over the last five years at Ohio State. That jumps out first and foremost. Right, and that's I mean that that's a testament to the kind of players that are Myers brought in and how they developed and whatnot. Because I mean you can <laughs> you can't really do that. I don't think I don't think Minnesota has that problem. I don't think no Indiana. You can take it a step further. Really Michigan doesn't that? have that problem. So, Johnny, Michigan doesn't have that problem. Right, the last right. five years. Right. I mean, exactly. you know, Florida doesn't have that problem. Yeah, I mean, this it, is an Ohio State, it, Alabama problem. Well, and, you know, it's funny because sometimes you'll look at, and I, I do this obsessively, but you'll look at highlights or you'll watch a replay of a game on the Big Ten Network or something, and you'll think, like, holy God, like, they had so many dudes in this yes. game who would go on to play in the NFL or, you know, like, become All-Americans, things like that. And, you know, I'm usually the kind of guy who likes to be really cautious about how well Ohio State is going to be. Like, I'm like, all right, you know, no team's going to be that great. And it's hard to be, like, it's hard to say that past success is predictive of future success all the time. Just because you were good in the past doesn't mean you're going to be in the future with different players. And then you look at some of these guys and you're like, well, (laughs) I'm kind of an idiot because there's really, there's really no evidence to the contrary. They have been able to just cycle through these incredible dudes over and over and over. I mean, and I was thinking about the secondary earlier today and I'm like, I don't know how they keep doing this. Uh, But that's, that's the magic of urban F Meyer. So there's seven guys who are first or second round NFL draft picks that did yeah. not make the list. Seven. <laughs> first That's or absurd. second. Yeah. Now, 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 the key to this, and I thought this was very important, the key to this was is it was confined to college. Right? It was defined, it was, it was defined by what they did at Ohio State and what they did yes. for the program during Urban Meyer's tenure specifically. That's right. what this was about. It was not about how good they are in the pros. It wasn't about any of that. It was about the careers they had here. Um, so let's go through some of this. Um, so the, the, the two most, I, I already know the two most controversial. I would guess okay. most people listening right now could do the top three and they'd be the same as the top three that we ended up with. Um, the two most controversial come at number 11 and number four. I'll get to four in a second. Number 11 is Cardale Jones. Mm-hmm. I had Cardale Jones number 11 as well. And right. The reason I had Cardale Jones 11, and I'll be very candid with those listening. Uh, when I sent my list to the czar, I said, this makes for good television, having him at 11. But I also believe that he is, a, that he's deserving of that because you yeah. do not win the national championship without him. No. And I think no. in a strange scenario, Johnny, he's, he's the only quarterback that Ohio State had on their roster, even if all were healthy, that could have beat Alabama. I think he was the only one that had the skill set to do it uh, with his arm. Um, we remember possible. Landon Collins and remember how far he was playing off the ball. Yeah. Um, that I, I think JT Barrett can beat Wisconsin. I think JT Barrett can beat Oregon. I don't know. I agree with you. I think, I think the Alabama game presented a much different challenge. And, and that was, I would say all. the same about Braxton Miller. Yeah. Jake Braxton Miller definitely beats Wisconsin. Braxton Miller definitely beats Oregon. If he were healthy, Braxton to me could get closer to beating Alabama than JT uh, at that time. But, um, but I don't know. I don't know if Braxton could make the throws that Cardale Jones made. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I know he can't. I, I've never saw him make them, so I don't know if he could or not. Um, but Cardale Jones at, a, at number eleven, when you have other guys who were, you know, a lot of these first round picks and and all Americans and stuff like that who didn't make the list, and Cardale Jones comes at eleven, I could see how oh, that'd be something some fans would take umbrage with. But I think if you look at what under the under the idea of the best players, and you think about, in my opinion, they don't win a national championship without this guy. 
And it wasn't just that they that he had won games, Johnny, and we've talked about this before. It's he had, they had to be impressive. And he he personally had to look great. Oh, yeah. He had no, to be watching, great against Wisconsin. I was about to say, I was just watching the Wisconsin highlights uh, yesterday, actually. And they had to – I mean, it wasn't enough just to beat Wisconsin. They had to have their foot on the pedal and be amazing no. the entire game. And I yeah. think there was maybe a five- to seven-minute stretch where they weren't just, like, complete, you know – all world, you know, whatever. But uh, for the rest of that game, they were absolutely incredible. And for a guy to come in like that, uh, in the situation that he didn't play that well, is really kind of uncanny. And I don't think you're going to see anything like that. We, I mean, we built Kenny Guyton to be this folk hero because he beat Purdue, right? right? Like, I feel right. like if Cardell Jones is able to step into that situation and then do what he did against Wisconsin, Alabama, Oregon, you're allowed to be on a list. <laughs> Of yeah. the eleven best players in the Urban Meyer, yeah. I will give you that. I will grant you that boon because that is something that I don't think you'll ever see again uh, in college football. I mean, that like at least yeah. as an observer of Ohio State football, I think that's absolutely incredible. So I have no he is a thirty for that. thirty. Yeah, yeah, he's a thirty for thirty. His his Ohio State that two thousand fourteen season with Cardale Jones. The whole season's great, but his story is is what a thirty for thirty is. And you know what? I Starting hope it's with the not- tweet. And I ending up, you. and I hope if they do with him for thirty, it's not some Tom Rinaldi soft focus bull crap. I want to have like some Dave Lynch like crazy, you know, like goofy Pee Wee Herman hellscape kind of thing. I want it to be as weird as it felt to watch, right? Because it was such an unusual, insane just, thing. Don't you think if you just did it through the eyes of Cardale Jones, that's yeah. what makes it unique? You, you, <laughs> right? Of course, you could do any Buckeye fan would be interested in a thirty for thirty on that season. Fine. Yeah. But in terms of doing a sports doc, the, the story, the unique story that hasn't been told is the story of Cardale Jones. Right. That's the story that hasn't been told. I mean, not, because there's no precedent for that, for a yeah. third string guy doing that. And, 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 I don't, and a kid who says, I came here to, you know, I didn't come here to play school. I came here to play football. I mean, the whole thing uh, nearly run off the team. I mean, that's the, he is the, the, that part of his life is, is a sports doc. And I hope somebody good does it because it's worthy of it for sure. Yeah, agree. <coughs> All right, excuse me. Uh, number 10 on the list was Curtis Samuel. Curtis, to me, was a, uh, a what if. Um, because, to me, he should have been a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver. He averaged nine yards every time he touched the ball last year. Right. I mean, think right. about that. Fantastic. And he didn't touch it enough. He didn't touch it enough. He should have touched it a lot more. He should have had 20, 25 carries. They didn't get, or 20 to 25 touches. They didn't get it to him. When I look back at him, he will be, I, I will think that he is the most Percy Harvin thing other than Percy Harvin in the history of Urban Meyer's coaching career. I mean, yeah. Urban has, Urban's offenses were at their best when they had Percy Harvin, and Curtis Samuel's the closest he's had to that. And that's an incredible compliment. Well, for me, I mean, Curtis Samuel, the reason why I kind of object to to him being on the list is because I do think about guys like Bradley Roby and guys who are able to produce and do these insane things, and in part because they're given the opportunity to, but it's not his fault. I'm not saying that Curtis Samuel is an, an unbelievable player and an unbelievable talent. I just, if you're not given the opportunity to showcase that, it's hard to be predictive. And while I agree with you that he could easily have been, you know, a thousand yard pass receiver, a thousand yard rusher. Uh, if you're not given the opportunities to do that, you don't show it. I'm not going to assume that you were. And I just, I don't know. I'm more of a, I, I'm more of like, I appreciate the contributions of guys who are consistent defensively, especially. And that's probably a spot that I would have given to a guy like Bradley Roby, I think. So, yeah. So, so Curtis was, um, 
he was a, a 750 some uh rusher 870 receiver which is still um, great I mean, not to take anything pretty away remarkable that. yeah and he really only had the it was wasn't really no no fault of his own that he didn't they, they should have probably used him more he was yeah. in that awkward 2015 season where they were trying to get everybody the ball it was yeah. a weird year yeah yeah, in the that, one year when he was in the offense, he was pretty great. But I do, I mean, that's fine. I think, I do think that maybe this was, we, we had, um, four defensive players in total out of the 11. Uh, typically that, yeah, that's typically about the way that these type of things work out. Yeah. That's um, awesome. number, number nine was Ryan Shazier. Cool with that. Ryan Shazier to me was the most complete linebacker of the urban tenure. Um, in that he could be a heat seat. He led, the uh the NCAA in tackles for loss uh one year uh at a linebacker he was uh just spectacular and he was all over the ball he had an enormous heart we remember the game at Penn State where he wore number 48 I believe for a fallen high school teammate that's right he wore yeah. number two against Michigan because of Christian Bryant who was lost for the year with a with his injury um he was just a classy kid and great football player and every time i remember those the, the years that he was there 12 and 13 specifically um it seemed like every time he looked up there was 10 on the yeah. tackle i mean he led the big 10 in tackles um he, he was special and i think worthy of being on the list you know what i think is kind of interesting is that um you know in the urban meyer era obviously they're putting more of a emphasis on the offense uh the offensive side of the ball than then jim trestle yeah and under Jim Trestle, Ryan Shazier would have been like a, a gigantic superstar on the level of like AJ Hawk, James Laurinaitis. But because maybe the you know the contributions of the defense aren't considered as critical if you're winning you know fifty to thirty or whatever, then maybe he doesn't get quite the attention that he deserves. I think maybe in terms of all time linebackers, because my opinion, like he should be considered up there. He should be really really high on that list. And He's it's great. Yeah, and it's a shame to me that maybe he won't be simply because of the teams that he played on. Where his, I would say like, that the sorry, the, go ahead. the only thing I would say on that, no, I, th- I think you're spot on. I think the real thing is is he played on some bad defenses. Well, on that too. I mean, you if know, you're the only guy, I mean, that, yeah, twelve and thirteen, those were not great. De- the thirteen defense specifically, you know, that was. You know, remember how that ended? Um, right. You know, he just wasn't on, and maybe that's what hurt Bradley too. Uh, when you think yeah. about it, but. Um, yeah, I, those two players were both great, despite maybe what those defenses weren't. And I agree with you. I mean, you anybody who watched Ohio State in that years, you just saw him flying over the ball. I mean, he just was everywhere. Everywhere you looked up, there was number ten or two or forty-eight, whatever number he was wearing. He had big moments too in the Penn State game for the touchdown. Yep. Um, I mean, he just and he remember he wore those floppy long-sleeved white sh- uh, shirt <laughs> underneath his. Remember, it just seemed like he had yeah. wings almost. I love in those. the I, I love it when yeah. players do that. Yeah, he great. Of cool and and he's the ambassador for alopecia i mean the dude the dude yeah. rocks it like he's he's up front about it talks about it i think that's great yeah like he's a cool guy to be fair you don't really have a choice do you with well that, no is he, that? <laughs> no yeah. kind of you don't yeah. but he, you know yeah but he's 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 very compassionate he's a good good dude he's a yeah. good dude Absolutely. uh number eight on our list was the only offensive lineman it was taylor decker uh, this is a three-star kid from, Ohio, I believe, three-star kid from Ohio who blossoms into the best offensive lineman of the era. You mm-hmm. easily could have had Muhort on this list. You could have had Lindsley on this list. You could have had Elfline on this list. Um, Decker makes it. And to me, he is the uh, epitome of the renaissance of the Ohio State offensive line. Um, yeah. Because when when Urban Meyer got here, 
and installed Ed Werner, they decided that they were going to know how to block. And after watching <laughs> Ohio State with Jim Bowman and Jim Trestle, when they just couldn't protect anybody despite a ton of talent, they couldn't run block, and they, you know, Ohio State learned how to play Ohio State offensive line again. And Taylor Decker's the only one that made this list. There could have been more. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it was a tough list to get into, um, but but uh, he was a deserving guy to be on the list for sure. Well, you said it with you know the kind of talent that Jim Trestle had that never really developed. I mean, they brought in a series of offensive linemen, like not just not just the one class that everybody remembers, but a lot of yeah. guys came in highly rated who just did not do as expected, and that was really really frustrating for Ohio State fans. And I mean. I, I think it's important to point out that when you're talking about a list like this, you have to talk about college uh, play and how they did. Because Corey Lindsley obviously is is tearing it up in the NFL. Muhord um, is doing pretty well. I mean, it's so they were all great here, I mean, right? They just, and, but they worked as a unit too, Johnny. I yes. mean, the, you know, it's really the collective with the offensive line more than and an they individual player. A lot too, like a lot of the yeah, guys had they to did. change positions because of injuries and stuff like that, and it, they didn't miss a beat. So yeah, I no. think that's a great choice. No. Number seven is is a straight out. He's a comet. Um, he, that's what he is. He's a he is a bright shining star. He is uh, <laughs> he's the most dynamic, um, dramatic, swaggering son of a bitch I've seen play in the secondary at Ohio State in my life. He is one of the most dynamic defensive backs I've ever seen in college football. I put him in the list of of playmakers with Sean Taylor and with with Ed Reed and it's Malik Hooker. We got yeah. him for one year. Uh, yeah. But the one year was just brilliance. I mean, he was a consensus first-team All-American. He was, um, to me, you can put the one year with uh, with anything that Ted Ginn did. I think you could put the one year with anything Jack Tatum did. It's In terms of one year, it was that good. I mean, he was unbelievable in 2016. And he came out of nowhere. There were always these whispers in spring about this kid, hooker, hooker. And, right. But boy, did he deliver. And he was a superstar. I mean, plain and simple. He was a superstar. It's amazing. He, he was here three years and played one, uh, <laughs> but he was a, he was an absolute superstar. You know how you know that he had a really good season and just like an incredible mind-mending thing is that the Cleveland Browns passed on him twice to pick somebody worse <laughs> than that. That's how you know. That's how you, you know. know how excited I would have been. I mean, I live up here now. If, if they would have drafted that kid. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I went on the radio after that and I said, you damn well better be right about this because right. this kid fell in your lap and you, he's a difference mate. You could have taken him and forgotten about it and they passed. And I think they will rue the day because I think he's just a superstar. Yeah. I really do. They're idiots. Uh, he's yeah, he's going to be, they are. Yeah. He would, but he, this is what makes these lists fun because this is a one year sample size with him. And his one year was so great that he ends up seven on the list. There you go. And that's um, what you need. I mean, if you, yeah. if you have that kind of year, I mean, you deserve that because that's, yeah. you don't see a lot of that. Period. No. Number six has got to be your favorite. That's Carlos Hyde. Are you the <laughs> one that gave him the nickname El Guapo? Yes, I am the one who gave him the nickname El Guapo. I was trying to think of... This was when Ohio State had an extreme glut of running backs, and nobody yes. really knew who was going to start. And so I was like, all right, well, if we put them all in a cage match, who would win? And I tried to think of a lot of, uh, you know, just like wrestling-type nicknames. And I was watching... Yeah. Um, I was watching Three Amigos. Of course. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm a big fan of of the villain El Guapo in the Three Amigos. He's pretty great. He's he's yeah. excellent. He's basically my idea of what a villain should be. A little charming, a yeah. little silly, you know, kind of menacing. Yeah. 
And so I thought, you know, Carlos Hyde being as as large and and as you know physically imposing as he is, I think El Guapo would fit him well. And uh, you know, Mike Citro uh, decided to pick up on that. He wrote about that, and people started talking about it. And uh, I kept using it in every single possible instance that I could, both on Twitter and on the site. And I guess eventually got back to him, and he picked up on it. So yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fortuitous. So I, I am, I am very much endorsement of of El Guapo being on this list, if only uh, so I can repeat that he owes me money on any potential <laughs> licensing deals. Um, yeah. So get in contact with me ASAP, or you'll be hearing from my lawyers. He was Which a, is just uh, me talking in a different voice on the phone, so you don't have to worry. That's about right. It. Yeah, he was um, he was overlooked in recruiting. Yep, he was overlooked his first two years at Ohio State. Really, um, and in 2012, when the offense was basically Braxton, best of luck. Uh, he was he, <laughs> yeah. he was pretty good, but he yeah. wasn't. And it wasn't until 2013 that he when he rushed for 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns and was just a beast. I mean, he just was he was so violent. He's just a violent runner. Um, there was the incident, um, you know, with the domestic, uh, the domestic, did he hit her? Did he not hit her? All that. And that, you know, that led to, you know, just, I mean, he was thrown off the team. He was at one point thrown off the team. Uh, yeah. Tim May had that right. He was thrown off the team and then reinstated. Um, otherwise, obviously he doesn't make this list and who the hell knows what happens, but, um, but he, he did and he played well and he was, a, he was fun. And and I always when I think of Carlos Hyde, I always go back to what if he was given the ball on fourth and one against Michigan State? <laughs> because if he does, then are, are you talking about two national championships for Urban? Um, they would have to beat a hell of a Florida State team, but uh, it would have been fun to see. Yeah, uh, but that he was great. He really was great. Yeah, and I just right, love me, I love bruising running backs like that. I mean, Zeke Elliott obviously, you know, had overall the better career at Ohio State, but I, I just enjoy watching guys who will just truck the absolute crap out of everyone in front of them and, and Carlos Hyde certainly was that. So he was what he was what like if you're a little if you were a little kid and you went into a lab and you said and you were trying to design an Ohio State running back, they would right. wear number exactly. thirty four and yes. they would look like Carlos Hyde. That's exactly it. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's what an Ohio State running back is. That's that's it. Look at that guy. Yeah, that's what the running back at Ohio State should look like, just like Carlos Hyde. Um, number five on our list, again, just a one year urban guy and it's Johnny Simon. And, but I would say along with the guy that is current number three on the list, John Simon was as important to what everything urban Meyer did as anyone. Number one, he was great. He was the big 10 defensive player of the year in the one year. He was mm -hmm. a first team all American in the one year. Um, he was, but it wasn't just that it was the leadership and it was, the yes, sir, I'll have another. He took what Urban Meyer dished and everybody, damn it, you followed him. And in that year, in 2012, when they were perfect, an entire football program followed him and he led. He led a whole football program. And I still, it's hard for me because I know John a little bit and it, it's hard for me still to talk about him missing the Michigan game. Right. In the snow, in the horseshoe. And I know what he went through to try to get right for that game. And he couldn't get right. And I'll never forget him, you know, hobbling to midfield, you know, choking back tears, urban the same way. And thinking of, I'm left thinking of John Simon, that he is, he is the embodiment of what Ohio football is to grow up in Youngstown, play for Cardinal Mooney, start Ohio state an undersized defensive lineman. I mean, he's not, you know, JJ Watt, 
no. of Noah Spence or anybody like that. He didn't have that sheer physicality, but he just worked his ass off. And um, and to me, John Simon allowed for Urban to take over the program. Yeah, right? I was uh, because that team followed. Right, and that's exactly the point that I was going to make. Like, you have to have a guy like John Simon in the locker room when someone like Urban Meyer is coming into town and just saying, "All right, I'm I'm turning this whole thing upside down." This nothing is guaranteed. You guys are gonna have to earn everything from now on. If you don't have a guy like John Simon in the locker room saying, like, all right, guess what? This is what we're doing. Like, if you want to be successful, if we want to win, you're gonna follow my lead because I'm doing everything this guy tells me to because I trust in him. You have to have a guy that commands that kind of respect. And that man, it's it's always fragile. It's it's so fragile when you have that kind of transition between what happened with you know Trestle and the year with Fickle. And then going into Urban Meyer and, you know, it's it's basically like getting out of a taxi cab and into a Ferrari that's already going 120 miles per hour down the highway. Like, it's really, really difficult. And you have to have somebody who can be that leader. Uh, and he was that. And they were really fortunate. I think that was a really fortuitous uh, time for John Simon to be, uh, you know, kind of the elder statesman in that locker room. Because if it had been somebody else, things could have gone south. And uh, Urban Meyer was lucky he had him. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. He's very lucky he had him uh, because people followed that kid. Yep. Um, number four on our list, uh, the second quarterback to make the list. And this is another one that is, you could see him ending up number one on this list, or you could see him <laughs> ending up not on the list altogether. And it's yeah. JT Barrett. Yeah. Uh, JT Barrett uh, is his story in 2014 is incredible. Uh, thrown into the fray. After Braxton Miller shockingly goes down, can't get his shoulder right after the injury to Clemson in the in the previous bowl game, and so JT gets thrust into the role of quarterback. He's pretty dreadful against Virginia Tech, um, but gets better and better as the season goes along. He ends up breaking Drew Brees' all-time touchdowns accounted for Big Ten record that year. He finishes fifth in the Heisman, but of course he doesn't get the the fruits of the labor because he doesn't get to quarterback the team through the national championship. I'll never forget him on that uh scooter he was on i mean both it was like he and braxton were both men without a country yeah um and braxton even more so but neither one of they were just like these two dudes that didn't know what you know i don't know if they you know sure they of course they were there but they weren't really there both of them thought it was going to be them quarterbacking the team to those heights and it was neither one um so they had to sit and watch and then jt is the subject of the most clunky quarterback managing maybe in the history of college football in 2015 and then last year he's undone by his own standards, right? Right. He's he a yeah, fine year. What people expect. Yeah, he had a fine year, um, but it wasn't to what everybody thought. And rest assured, the 2017 season will be the JT Barrett referendum. Um, and he could, like I said, he could end up number one on this list, or he could end up off it. Uh, it could be either one of those things. Um, this is a guy who's going to rewrite the entire Ohio State passing record book. And you could go on the site at any point and start a should Dwayne Haskins start at quarterback. And it would get a lot of attention. Um, so that's that's kind of where he is right now. It's a weird spot for him. He could he can end up at the top or he can end up off it. Yeah, I I mean, here's the only thing I'll say about JG Barrett. I like the fact that there is a quarterback at Ohio State who is as calm, cool, compo- like composed. Like I just I think that when you have so many of these personalities, so many people coming through, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, all this other stuff, you've got to have a guy at the center of it who can just be that strong, like, all right, we're going to get it done. And and I, I've always appreciated that about JT 
that he's always taken things in stride. He's never gotten too up or too down. He's just steady, and, and you need somebody like that. The other thing I'll say about JT Barrett, the reason why I, I would put him on any list is because of one specific play against Minnesota a couple years ago where he ran the <laughs> slowest, like, 80-some yards. I don't even remember what the length of it was, but it, it seemed like it took four minutes for him the longest to play from scrimmage by a quarterback in Ohio State history. It is, and it took him 15 minutes yeah. to run down the yeah, field. It was, and it was the most, oh my God, it was one of my favorite plays of all time. I was laughing the entire time. The fact that he's out running Minnesota defensive backs in the snow and like 12 degree weather is just, I love it. I love every bit of that. And yeah, that alone is enough to get him on any list of mine. So I'm big. So the, I was there that day and the, and the wind chill was like 15 below zero. Ridiculous. So the fact that he even get his legs to move to me was positive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was positive in itself. Uh, number three on the list is the guy I personally had number one, and it's Braxton Miller. Um, Braxton Miller is a two-time Big Ten Most Outstanding Player. He is a guy who, with an average Braxton Miller season, would have not only had every single passing record if he had played his final year, every single passing record by 100 miles, he also would have ended up the second-leading rusher in school history. Yeah. And he just had an average Braxton, which is just crazy. Uh, he's a four-year starter. He um, he was the most electric runner of the football at the quarterback position I have ever seen. To me, he was um, he was like what Peter Warwick and Percy Harvin, except they were receivers, and he did yeah. it at quarterback. I mean, nobody. We were doing the show today, and there were times when I would see the highlights running out of the corner of my eye and go, "My God, he did that." I mean, he really did that. That's crazy. Um, the reason I had him number one, though, was because I think if Braxton Miller's not at Ohio State, when Urban Meyer gets there, I don't know if any of what follows. It's possible, but it's certainly not as easy. Because that year in 2012, when they went undefeated, and that led to the 2013 recruiting class, mm -hmm. that 2012 team that went undefeated, that offense was Braxton, go make a play. Yeah. That's it. It was Braxton, go make a play. Yeah. Go, go, best of luck, kid. It wasn't a whole lot better in 13, but at least they had Carlos Hyde. But, I mean, in 2012, it was all him. Yeah. And, and I've never seen a kid – I've never seen a single player, and I would say this goes through the entire urban era, no player was asked more of than the two years Braxton Miller was the quarterback for Urban Meyer. No, no kid at any point in the five years was asked more of than he was during those two years. That's I, I would completely agree with that. Uh, the only thing, so here's the thing about Braxton Miller, and and I would I would put him a little bit higher than this, but I you know I don't know that I'd put him at one. But I was before I was at my current job, uh, I was substitute teaching down near Middletown, mm -hmm. and uh, I was talking to some of the students who played football and stuff about you know what about this new recruit Braxton Miller? You know, I think he's going to be good. And one of the kids actually was on a team that played against them and was like, Mr. Ginner, he's the team. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like the rest of their players are garbage, but they have Braxton Miller. And so they're going to be one of the best teams in the entire state. And I think they were mm -hmm. the runner up in Ohio his senior year. They were. Um, yep. Mostly because, like, because of him. Like, that's it. He mm -hmm. was the team. And yeah. I thought it was so maybe appropriate that he ended up having to do it again in college. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and there were some great players on the team, but you know, the fact that Braxton Miller for so long had to bear the brunt of the responsibility to just win, you know, all these games is what's always kind of impressed me 
And it sucks that that burden was only really alleviated from him or taken away from him because of injury and, and other things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah I will never, never forget a student telling me that like, yeah, they're garbage. Their team sucks, but they have Braxton Miller. So they're, they're one of the best teams in the state. <laughs> and yeah. that's always stuck with me because that's the kind of talent that he is. Yes, he's um, he is a singular force of nature, and he just—it was amazing because you you never knew like at any moment it could go, yeah. at any moment. I mean, it's but when he started to run, he wasn't the thrower, you know, and t- you know he made plenty of throws that that worked, uh, but he wasn't he wasn't a pure quarterback by any stretch. I mean, this was an this was just an absurd athlete um, who could throw it, um, and God, it was fun. He was pure joy. And the most electric college football player I saw in 17 years, because there were others that were great. Peter Warwick was Peter Warwick was electric at Florida State. Ted Ginn was electric, but they didn't touch the ball every time. Right. You know, I mean, he touched it every play, yeah. and so every play you were on the edge of your seat. What's this guy going to do next? He was crazy, and um, it's amazing that he just that he you know busts up his shoulder and decides to play receiver. And is in the NFL playing receiver. Having never played receiver in his life, he taught himself to be a receiver on yeah. the fly. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, there are, there so, are not too many guys who can do that. No. Ironically, two Ohio State quarterbacks did that. <laughs> right. <laughs> the TP. Um, so the, you know who the one and two guys are on the list. It's, and, sure. and so it's just a matter of their ranking. You could put one or two and you could flip them. It wouldn't make any difference. Uh, it's Joey Bosa is number two, and Ezekiel Elliott is number one. Uh, Joey Bosa was a two-time consensus first-team All-American on the defensive line. Um, he was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He led the led the nation in, tack, in sack, sacks or tackles for loss. I can't remember. Maybe both. Um, he was unblockable. He was completely unblockable. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had two 1,800-yard seasons. The one his in 2015, his junior season, was actually – more impressive because he did it in three less games and he had five more touchdowns. So he was really dominant in 2015. And of course we remember why the hell didn't he get the ball more against Michigan state. So again, um, you know, you wonder if a running back gets it more, maybe things are different. Um, I think the reason that Zeke's ahead of Bosa is because in the national championship run, Zeke Elliott ran for 230 yards and 85 yards on one play that clinched it against Bama and 240 yards and four touchdowns against Oregon. I mean, he's just a beast. He was just so dominant. Um, and, and Bosa didn't have those moments on the, on that giant stage like that because Zeke, the offense was so great. I would say this about Bosa, um, about both of them. I would say about Joey Bosa though, Joey Bosa played at St. Thomas Aquinas and Ohio state had, has long gone into Florida and gotten players, but they have rarely, if ever gone, gone into Florida and got the best player in Florida. And I know Joey had ties to Ohio state. But that was the moment landing Joey Bosa in the 2013 class was the moment that the rest of the country understood that they had a problem with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Because up until that point, the idea with Ohio State was, yeah, this is this big program, but it's this big plotting program in the Midwest. They're never going to get the players that we want down here. And then Urban said, went down there and proved, oh, oh the hell I won't. <laughs> and he went and got the best player in the state of Florida. Well, and, and to me, like Zeke Joey Elliott. Bosa to roll right. off to Columbus. <laughs> yeah. And then deliver on the promises. He said, we'll win a national championship. They did. I mean, Bosa was a first-round pick. It all happened. It all worked. Um, And then Elliott is is kind of the – to me, he he is the face of the modern Ohio State program. Yes. Um, This is a a track kid from St. Louis whose parents went to Missouri and ended up at Ohio State and was great. And for the majority of his time was a 
just a joyful kid to be around. I was not around him in 2015 when, uh, from the people who did cover him, said say that the head got a little bit big, and I don't blame him. If, if you were given all that Ezekiel Elliott was given after the 2014 season, it'd be hard to stay humble. Um, but he was he was wonderful. He helped me teach my oldest son how to how to go on the big boy potty. I'll always for, uh, I'll always love him for that. Um, I have no problem with him being number one on this list. I think you could have had Zeke, Bosa, or Braxton. Any any of them are fine. Um, but but uh, either one, those two guys, both from 2013, I, I totally get why they were one and two. Yeah, and you know what? Joey, I think what really helps him out, I mean, obviously he was an incredible talent and deserving of, of being this high, but what helps him a little bit is that he had sort of the, sort of those walk-off moments. You know what I mean? Like the sack against Penn State where he just pushes oh, God, the guy yeah. back into, you know, Hackenberg. It's crazy. In the game. Like you, those are things that you'll remember. Those are iconic. And it's hard for a defensive player, especially a defensive lineman, you know, to get those types of uh, moments. But his talent enabled him to do it. And I think, you know, he's justifiably going to be considered to be one of the most important players of Urban Meyer's tenure at Ohio State. And then Zeke, I mean... You know, I talk about consistency and how much I appreciate that and enjoy that. When you can rely on a dude to get like 150 yards basically every single right. game, yeah. like at least, I mean, that's that's a pretty special thing to have. And, uh, you know, again, I love the running game and I love how the running game is administered at Ohio State. Zeke Elliott is basically the prototypical athlete to to participate in that. So I, you know, I enjoyed watching his career immensely. And the only criticisms that I think you can really have of him as a player uh, were that he just didn't get to do it enough in certain situations. And that's not his fault. That's, you know, that's the call. Yeah, just the one situation, really. Really, yeah. I mean, really, it was just home against Michigan State. Right. I mean, that was that was the undoing. Uh, and that kept, um, I think, I, I saw Kurt Barton tweet this over the weekend, and I, I do agree with him. I think the 2015 Ohio State team was the most talented Ohio State team ever. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't know how I, you are yeah, I know that people say the super softs and, you know, some of those, you know, 90, 98, 95, 96, you know, there's teams in there that were just crazy. Uh, but 2015 Ohio State will, will go down in history. That was that's ridiculous with the talent that was on that roster. Yeah, that's that's insane. Top to bottom, they were loaded just ridiculously. Yeah, so this was a fun list. Um, like I said, there were the the guys who didn't make it. You could take umbrage with some of this stuff, and um, I, I certainly wouldn't have a problem with uh, Cardell Jones coming off um, and in in favor of somebody else or moving some guys around. But overall, I thought it was a good representation. It led to a really fun show, so I do encourage you to check it out. Um, if for nothing else, and to um, watch the video to remember how great like Braxton Miller was. This might have been a while since you've seen it, but he was literally like his his career was basically a YouTube highlight. That's basically <laughs> what his career. was. It was just yeah. one one YouTube highlight after another. There were so many, you know, stop make you miss moments that it was it was crazy. But the, it was it's a hell of a lot of talent, and it just reminds us how blessed we are um, to be covering or observing or a fan of this program at this moment in time because this is the golden age uh, of Buckeye football. I believe yeah, that I absolutely. Mean, honestly, like you know, rankings aside and wherever you want to put the like, I will say for Braxton Miller, I don't think I've ha- ever had more fun watching a single football player that I had watching Braxton Miller just in general because yeah. the insane stuff that he could pull on the field that really no other player could do at all. Um, that I appreciated that. And and really the, the sillier and more ridiculous stuff that happens, you know, on the field in college football, the better. And that's part of why I like college football better than the NFL, because you can do stuff like spin moves and all this other crazy yeah. crap and, you know, stutter steps and all whatever. Um, yeah. 
And without that, you you don't have much personality. And a lot of these guys on this list gave Ohio State an identity and a personality. And that's that's really why I think I appreciate it uh, as much as I do. Because Ohio State football has an identity. And that's, you know, something that we've groused about with regards to Ohio State basketball. And it right. kind of reminds yes. you how important it is <laughs> to have yeah. a team. You're like, yep, that's Ohio State. That's how they play. There's no doubt. Yeah, and it, I would say this about like Brax. Nobody looked cooler in a college football uniform than that kid. Also true. Yes, he also he looked so badass. Like he was always the only player who like didn't have to wear the red and white cleats. He always wore like the black Jordans or whatever. Right. Like he always had the coolest cleats. He always had the towels and the armbands and all. I mean, he just always looked. He certainly looked the part. So it was a good list. I recommend you checking out the television show. Uh, it'll air over the next couple of weeks on Spectrum Sports. Check that out. Do we have any ask us anything, my friend? We've got a couple, and the first one is a corollary to uh, what we just talked about. So, um, first of all, you guys can send us any questions to the uh, Dubcast for Ask Us Anything. Uh, send it to at 11Dubcast on Twitter or Dubcast uh, at 11Warriors.com via email. Uh, the first one here, uh, this is from Alvin. He wants to know, who is on the Mount Rushmore of the grittiest Buckeyes of all time? And I, I we don't have to get the whole podcast the grittiest, but I've, I've got one particular player that I want to talk about real briefly. If you've got a couple that you might want to bring well, up. Well, right off the top of my head is, I, I mean, it just depends on how you define gritty. But to me, Johnny right. Simon is that. I mean, that's Johnny yeah. Simon. Yeah. That's who he is. Yeah, I would say talent, but he was that too. I would say he's definitely up there. Um, the two that I were I was thinking about. So this is one of my favorite players from the Jim Tressler era. But uh, Antonio Smith, Yao Smith, uh, mm-hmm. a guy who is like five foot two, maybe. Yeah. like he's really small. Uh, ended up being a Thorpe Award finalist, uh, walk on engineering guy. You know, just doing all this ridiculous crap on the side. And I mean, I say on the side when he's you know a student athlete. Um, but just working his butt off and, and played pretty well in that year. And the other guy that I want to mention, I, I, I don't know why he popped into my head uh, earlier today, but Mike Kudla, I don't know if you remember too much about him. I don't, um, before my time. Yeah, but Mike Kudla was uh, extremely ill. He was a defensive lineman, uh, and I think at one point he held the NFL combine bench press record. Uh, but he was extremely ill. Uh, I think it, I just found the, uh, the article a little bit ago it was toxic epidermal necrolysis or something or necrolysis. I don't really know how to pronounce it. Not a doctor, uh, but he lost 50 pounds and they gave him the last rites, uh, in the hospital. Like they thought this guy was going to die. Um, and Kudla That's comes crazy. back. Yeah. This is during the winter. This is during the off season. And Kudla, Kudla comes back and about a year later, he's, he's a starter on Ohio state. So, um, I would put Mike Kudla pretty far up there. And then, of course, at the NFL Combine, like, you know, does 225, 225 like 39 times or something ridiculous. So um, I'll put him on there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Anytime you get the last rights and then don't die, uh, you deserve to be on a list. of. That's grit. a win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Make Dane Sanzenbacher the fourth and then you've got your grittiest. There you go. Yes. Oh, man. God. One of the first things I ever did for... Uh, 11 Warriors. I, I think this is even before I started writing for it. I think when I was just uh, a fan of 11 Warriors. Um, Dane Sansbach, I don't know how many concussions he got, but I remember there was this one Wisconsin player that just had the dirtiest hit on that dude. Um, and I made like a comic or a cartoon like making fun of it. But yeah, I just that guy took so much abuse and was so consistent and so good for so long. Uh, yeah, he's definitely deserving on there. Uh, okay, so this is from Brad. He's currently a television only He works at WTOL. Really? In Toledo? I didn't know that. He's on TV. Huh. 
Good for him. I mean, he's I no. I didn't know what happened to him. He's a charismatic dude. I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember they had. I think it was for one of his classes or something at Ohio State, but he made some kind of like parody of a LeBron oh, yeah. commercial or something. Yeah, yeah, and, I remember that uh, well. Now I'm tracking this down. I'm trying to figure out like if he's still there. Yeah. I wonder what I hope the hell he is. Oh, it's one of those stupid TV websites where they don't show you who the people are. Uh, That's awful. Well, that's right, it. we'll have to track him down. I want to. I want to see what what Dan Sanzibar is up to because I want to. Fun I thing was to do. Really hoping he'd catch a hold in the NFL. Uh, the Bengals had him for yeah. a while, and he did all right. Yeah, but that would be fun to do. To do the do the uh, where are they now? Yeah, I think that's a good. Yeah, that's a really good idea actually. Because guys like, cool. especially guys like Dan Sanzibar and some of these other dudes, like yeah. You know, they made a huge impact and impression for a couple of years, and then because they didn't have great NFL success, people kind of forget. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe the contributions. How stupid is this? How how are you gonna have a television news site in in this and not have like news team? Like, who in the blue hell is on? Who are your people? <laughs> I mean, that's you unbelievable. Oh, so finally. Much. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. Like, that's all right. Let me just make sure while we're doing this. I just want to make sure see if Dane is still working there. Okay. While we, while I, while I, while I acted like he was, he is awesome. Joined the news team in October 2015. He's well, part of the news. Why wouldn't he be sports? <laughs> What's he doing? Is he doing like weather or something? I don't know. And I get, I'm in. Uh, we we have a place up at uh, Port Clinton, so I, I mean, I will get this news. Yeah. So I will be curious to, I'll be checking and seeing what the hell's going on with Dane Sanzibach or WTOL. All right. Well. All right. Hopefully we find that out because I want I like I want to know what he's up to. I thought it was yeah, cool, it's worth knowing. That is very good. All right, what else you got? All right, next one. This is from Brad. Uh, he says, as someone who was born and raised in Georgia and never attended Ohio State, I've always wondered how other Buckeye fans view me or view fans like me. Would they consider me less of a fan, even though I follow religiously and consider myself equally as passionate? Uh, P.S. I am a fan because I grew up watching my dad. Who was born and raised, or with my dad, who was born and raised in Cleveland? I would say that it was Brian. Uh, that is, sorry, that's Brad. Brad. I would say Brad represents 70% of the Ohio State fan base. More. I would say 75, More? 85. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that story, Brad, is so common. There are so many people who, whose parents grew up in Ohio and they love Ohio State. I mean, yeah. it's I get that everywhere, man. They no one's gonna look at you less. They're gonna love you because they're you. It's all you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it has nothing to do. Like you don't have to have your bona fides. Being born in some like armpit of Ohio does not make you necessarily a better Ohio State fan than a guy who was born in Georgia or California or Hawaii or wherever. Uh, if you watch the games, you follow the team, you root for the team, you're a good fan. That's it. That That's really what it comes down to. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to graduate from Ohio State, but I make no bones about the fact that if I were applying now to Ohio State with my grades in high school, I would not get into Ohio State and therefore may be considered by some people to not be as good a fan. So I, I, I completely disagree with anybody who thinks you have to go to Ohio State or be in Ohio. As long as you follow the team, root for the team, you're as good a fan as anybody else. Yeah, um, yeah. he adds a, a PPS to this here. Uh, and, and this is something that I guess maybe we'll have to address in a few weeks, but this may be too much to ask, but is it possible to keep the game of Thrones spoilers to a minimum? I say, no, we will be, we will maybe have a spoiler alert 
and we yeah, can we'll let people alert. know that it's coming up. But we have to discuss this. This is a these are things yeah, that these have are to be paramount. Talked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not. So why? Because he doesn't. He he's not caught up. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, Listen, this is what I would say to you, Brad. Like, you've had over a year. Like, even if you started this at any, you had over a year to get through this. How many episodes? How many episodes have aired so far? Like sixty? Fifty? Fifty? Are they starting season seven or six? I forget. Right. I think they're starting season seven. Okay, so sixty episodes of aired. Yeah. So let's say sixty. Sixty hours. Yeah. There's more okay. than 60 hours between now and the season or the next season starting. Good oh, point. yeah. If you wanted to, you could go now. You could watch. Well, let's see. You've got, you basically got three, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Was so if you watched, you'd have to watch three hours at three episodes a day. Started <laughs> right now. So he's right probably now. started some of it. He should be able to get through it. Yeah. I mean, it's an on. easy show to binge watch, too. It's not like you're like, oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, yes. You'll it absolutely watch five episodes, you know what happened. It'll be like three o'clock in the morning. Like, what the hell? Like, it's you can you can take care of this, Brad. I have faith in you that you could watch these episodes and catch up. You'll be fine. Um, just be yeah. as obsessive as I am about it. Um yeah, he's got plenty of time. So no, no, we will not maybe no. we'll we'll say we'll start to talk about it. You can, you know, do earmuffs if you need to, but uh we're gonna talk about the show. Cause I need to I if 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 a dragon eats a dude. I need to talk to Bo Bishop about it immediately. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, we will yeah. discuss it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's our Ask Us Anything for this week. Guys, please continue sending in the questions. Uh, I will continue to, you know, basically give pithy answers to people who want us to avoid spoilers about shows that I like. So how about that? Yeah, no. I mean, I, th- I think at this point you've had enough time. It's, <laughs> I did. I was talking. Somehow The Wire came up. I was on the radio show on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wire came up, and then somebody tweeted me. They're like, "Dude, well, it's been, it's been <laughs> off the air for fifteen years. Like, if you don't know that Stringer Bell dies, I can't. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like your fault. That's your fault. Yeah, like you had plenty of time. I can't believe the boat sinks. Why did you tell me that? that right. I mean, romance. God Almighty. The, I okay. Like, I would not give like this. We will continue to tape this on Tuesday. It'll yep. be up on Wednesday morning. By then, if you haven't seen the episode from Sunday, that's on you. Yeah. No, it's on I, you. You've had plenty of time. I've said a million times, there are two things in, in the world that are not DVRable. Live sports that you give a damn about and Game of Thrones. Because it will get wrecked. So, <laughs> yeah. Listen, well, just, yeah. If you're concerned about that, watch you it live. have to avoid everything until you watch it. And then you'll be fine. Yeah. And that's fine. And you'll be fine. But that's the All life right. you choose to lead. By the way, I, real quick, what do you think the statute of limitations is on non-game? Th- let, let's say, I don't know. Let's say there's a movie from like uh, four or five years ago. What do you think the statute of limitations is on spoilers for something like that? Well, it's hard because there's all sorts of different levels. I mean, if it's something that, if it's something like, I'm trying to think of a movie that would qualify. Let's say that. Let's say the Force. It's like a culturally important movie of the last five years. Yeah, let's say the Force Awakens, the new Star Wars movie. Okay, the Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I would say that you need to see that within the first two months of it going to like streaming or whatever. Really? Like on demand. That's more generous than I would give, frankly. Well, the only reason I do that is because if I'm speaking for the people who have children, like I can't go to a movie theater. Right. Yeah, I can't go to a movie theater. There's no chance. Right. Um, I have no chance. So um, I have no. I, there's no way. So 
I saw it, you know, within a within a month of it becoming available on streaming. I still haven't seen the one they did last year. Um, oh, Rogue One. I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't seen that yet. But yeah, but I mean, I'm also not the the other thing to that is I'm also not the biggest Star. I, I like it. It's I like Star Wars. I think it's it's good. But it it wasn't like something that changed my life as a kid. Right. Um. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that for me. It was it was fine. It was good. I loved it. It was great. But it wasn't like you know define my childhood like it does for some people. Um. I would say that if you give a damn about it, about the subject matter, then the statute of lim- like for example, I think the series are the best because so many people binge these things. Look, I get it. People weren't on Game of Thrones right away. I was. I know you were. Um, yeah. I watched from Jump Street. I probably talked a hundred people into watching it over the last seven years. Um, all of them have thanked me uh, because it's that good. But at this point, as we are into season seven, if you haven't seen it, that's on you. That's on you. Like the first well, couple of years, fine. People weren't getting to it right away. Sure. That's fine. But if you're this far into it and you're like, oh, don't spoil it for us. No, dude, come on. It's yeah. been out. It's everybody has HBO go enough. <laughs> well, no, see, that's the thing. I encourage people to get into it. If they haven't, just don't complain about spoilers at this point. Like you're, you're well past. But, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like if you, if you care about it, it's so great. It is so great. It's the finest. I watched battle of bastards last week <laughs> just to, to set the tone. Yeah. It's cinematic. Oh, what it's... they pull off. I, well, I don't know that there's anything being made like in that in the film TV film genre that's better than that is. I got to tell you something, and this is this is maybe a, a subject for you know a, a podcast for another day. But some of the stuff that they have on television right now is just blowing a lot of these oh, movies yeah. completely out of the water. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, some of these things have huge budgets. There is a show on Netflix called Sense Eight that I think had like a like a $10 million budget for every episode or something like that. They were spending like a hundred million dollars on the entire season, which is absolutely just insane. Um, But yeah, some of the writing and stuff. I mean, I don't, you know, I feel like I'm depriving myself of some of this entertainment because I don't watch better call Saul. Uh, I know that they did the uh, twin peaks revival, which is supposed to be incredible. Mm -hmm. I want to check that out. Um, There's just a lot of really great stuff out there. So, you know, it started with the, like, you know, yes. it's so saturated that I can't watch everything. But on the other hand, if something's been out for like seven years, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Danny gets dragons at the end of the first season. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> kind of sorry. Yeah. I spoiled that for you. That's a pretty remarkable moment when that does happen, by the way. Yeah. Because and if you like, don't oh know my what's God, coming, she's got. Insane. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah don't write. Rec- yeah. The in case because there's still three weeks. Theoretically, they could catch all the way up. Um, but really, peak TV started with The Sopranos. The Sopranos was the yeah. first, you know, anti-hero in the lead role. Mm-hmm. And it was the first show that that took over. At that time, there was no social media, so it was called Water Cooler. Um, but it was the first show that took over from film because all anybody talked about was The Sopranos. Yeah. In the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, when I was in college, it, it dominated. I mean, that was it, was Sopranos. It's all, did you watch Sopranos last night? I mean, people had Sopranos parties. It was the biggest thing in the world. And then HBO, you know, then that led to Sopranos led to um, Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Game of Thrones. All of those things come off of Sopranos and The Wire, which came around the same time, late 90s, early 2000s, which was prestige television, where all of a sudden the stories, the writing, the filmmaking was better than anything that they were doing in film. And it's 
been that way for i mean the film still makes a lot of money obviously um but i feel like the 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 stuff that really has the throat of the culture is tv yeah we've become a tv really more of a tv society especially with the streaming and the binging um than a movie society now it's like did you watch that's how many times you get that hey have you seen house of cards or whatever it might be yeah, all the making time. the murderer. Have you seen? Hey, did you see this? Oh, you got it. You can binge it. You can check this out. You seen Peaky Blinders? Check that out. I mean, that's that's what I, I've never heard anybody come up to me and go, "Hey, did you see uh, Wonder Woman? <laughs> I mean, no, or yeah. Have you seen Iron Man? Like Iron Man three or Avengers or whatever the hell it's up to? Like nobody, Batman, Superman. Nobody comes up to me and goes, "Oh, you got to see this." But well, people come up to me with television recommendations thing, every right? week. It's one and done. Like people go out and they watch the movie and the movie's over and then that's all they have to talk about. Well, when you've got a season or multiple seasons of something, you're like, oh, well, wait for this to come up. And like, I can't, you've got so many different things to dissect. The other thing, in addition to the Sopranos, and this is a little, this is less drama type stuff, but I think uh, had YouTube been around when this was out, would have blown up even more than it did. But Chappelle show, I was in, I was a freshman when Chappelle show was like rocking it really hard. And I remember when the uh, when the uh, the Charlie Murphy and uh, this True Hollywood Stories episode came out, and guys in my dorm were just running up and down the hall, yeah. screaming about being Rick James and stuff like that. It was that oh, was yeah. the time where I'm like, this, I got to turn in next week because this is like insane. This is this is the best thing I've ever yeah. watched. Um, well, that's it. I mean, that's in that wheelhouse. I mean, right. I, there's been no, there's been no t- movie that I've seen that's been funnier than Eastbound and Down. Yeah, in the last ten years. Yeah, Eastbound I mean, and I, Down is funnier than any movie that I've seen in the last ten years. Uh, Curve Your Enthusiasm is funnier than any movie I've seen in the last ten years. And from a dramatic standpoint, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Deadwood, Sopranos, Mad Men, those are all better than any movie I've seen in the well, last and- ten years. And to your point, I mean, Netflix, you know, there was there was a fairly, you know, kind of obscure, didn't do so great uh, comedy, but still really funny. What Hot American Summer from, I think, late 90s oh, or not late 90s, but I early 2000s. That. Yeah, sure. I saw the reunion. Right. And then they did they they did one series on Netflix. So in other words, they had several episodes where it was like a season. And now they're doing another season that's coming out in a few weeks. So they, they've shifted. I think they've realized that the landscape's totally changed. And that, all right, well, we're not going to make another movie, but we'll definitely make another season of this because that's how we can best kind of, you know, get our uh, point across and, 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 you know, do what we do. So I think that's really cool. And uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like that. I like that it's more of a communal thing where you can discuss this week's episode and, and yep. on like that. And we're definitely going to be yeah. doing more of that on the podcast. Is like I said, dragons start eating people. So yeah, we're Je- we're uh, July sixteenth, right? That's when we're going. Yeah, I think sixteenth or seventeenth, one of those two. It's I think it's sixteenth. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, um, yeah it's I'm, coming I'm quick. Super excited. Yeah. So that, and I think honestly, it will be the it will be the uh, social media event of July. Because oh, there's yeah. nothing going on. I mean, there's People nothing. Minds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing going on. So, I mean, the last, you think about the last couple of years, Game of Thrones went up against the NBA Finals. Right. Yeah, there I was nothing. flipping back from Game 7 to the Battle oh, yeah. of Masters. That's right. <laughs> That's horrible. That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And now it's all by itself. So it will right. dominate July and August. It will dominate conversation. All right, my friend. Uh, so that's a fun cast. Uh, look forward to more Ask Us Anythings out of you guys. Um, and uh, if any any thoughts you have on the Best 11, uh, encourage you to watch the show. It's a good one. Yeah, um, so we hope you enjoyed the program this week, John. I'll talk to you next week, buddy.
Talk to you next week.